Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello, podcast listeners. I know it's been a while, been kind of busy with life a little bit, but there was some important news that I came across. And don't worry, like I said, I have been paying attention to the market as much as I can. Just life has been pretty busy so far. But there was some news that came out today that I thought, okay, this might be a time to dive in back into the podcast a little bit. Just know that these next few weeks will be pretty hectic for me. So if you're not seeing as many podcast episodes as you had in the past, just know that just life's getting a little busy right now. And then uh, I'll try to record as much as I can when I can. But there might not always be a podcast. So, But I will do my best to be able to provide the information that I can when I can. So with that being said, some news that we're going to be covering today. And some of it's kind of important news, especially towards the end. Okay, First off, we got some news from Nightscope from a county. A county is expanding their Nightscope contracts. And what does that mean for Nightscope going forward? DraftKings is also in the news as well. And the DraftKings news is going to be the most interesting topic we talk about, at least when it comes from the more positive side of things with the market. And we'll get into more in-depth details with that when we get into the article today on that. Then we got some news from Ford. Ford had given a warning about its F-150 Lightning and its EV issues that it's been facing. They've been on the news recently a little bit. And then towards the end, we're going to be talking about the gas situation, both about how gas, airfares, and car insurance, how transportation costs are impacting high inflation. And there is news reports coming out about how with China reopening, what does that mean for the oil markets going forward? So like I have to remind you all, like I always say, I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. And everything I talk in this podcast is for information, entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Please also note too that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. And everything I talk in this podcast is for information, entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Your financial advisor actually would be the best person to talk to as they would understand your financial situation a lot better than I would. Please also note too that I do hold shares in Nightscope. It is a long-term position. It is a small position. But with that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Laramere County expands its with 11 Nightscopes, the K1 call boxes. Okay, From Mountain View, California, a leading developer of autonomous security robots and blue light emergency communication systems today announced that the sale of 11 K1 boxes to uh, Laramere County, Colorado. I think that's how you say it, Laramere. Layamer, I believe. Yeah, Layamer. Though the resale partner, Stream Speed Technologies, SST. Oh, the resale partner. Nice. So it's good to see some of those partnerships are working out. Continuing on, it says the K1 call box is the company's smallest emergency call box systems that delivers one touch connection with a ruggedized housing and simple interface. Like all Nightscope's K1 emergency communication products, it provides a completely wireless solution for emergency phone calls, or it can be adapted to work with existing wiring nearby. A handset and tele TY. P writer or TTY pad, a special device that lets people who are deaf, hard to hearing, or speech impaired use the telephone to communicate. And are, are additional options available on this device? The press release features multimedia. 
Continuing on, it says, and that this is funny because they say, in case you missed it, Netscope is poised to close sales across the entire product portfolio as 2023 begins a laying a foundation for growth. The recent acquisition of Case Emergency Systems, whose products is features in today's announcements, has contributed to the company's top line revenue growth and is only one of many sales autonomous security robot subscriptions contracts announced so far this year. For a recap of the 30 plus sales contracts and seven client renewals, please visit our news page here. And you can actually look at their news page. And some other big news from Nightscope 2 in the same article, they recently hit 2 million hours for their robots, okay? 2 million hours of their robots driving by themselves, okay? This is kind of big news for Nightscope if you think about this way, okay? Nightscope has been in the news like crazy recently. Not like CNBC news, because most of the stuff that we talk about are either from Yahoo Finance or from Business Wire when they make these announcements, okay? But CNBC, not so much, okay? Nightscope has had a lot of news recently that's been coming out, okay? They've been selling a lot of contracts, okay? Some of them have been big, some of them have been pretty small, but for the most part, it seems like their contracts are getting bigger and bigger, okay? The last few weeks, like I said, when I wasn't able to record, I have been reading up on some of these, uh, what was it? The the contracts that they're actually selling, okay? And actually, we'll actually look take a look at some of their news page to give you an idea of what's been happening at Nightscope because I've been out of the loop for a while for you guys, okay? So, for instance, okay, in Las Vegas, Nevada, Silverton Hotel and Casino host a Nightscope show. That was kind of big news, okay? On February 2nd, earlier this month, Nightscope actually sold 13 more machines, okay? And obviously, with our last podcast, we talked about the big one where they sold five new contracts to Nightscope, okay? 13 more machines. And the 13 machines, if I'm not mistaken, were the K5 ones. Yeah, they're mostly the K5s and the K1s. Uh, the K1 spheres, okay, in particular, that's the first one I believe they've sold. And then obviously a couple blue lights and emergency systems, okay. Nightscope, though, if you actually currently look at the stock, it's uh, pretty beaten down. It is. In fact, you'll read comments about it if you follow Nightscope on Instagram where you'll see people say like, oh, it's in danger of falling under a dollar. And if it goes under a dollar, it's going to have to do a delisting. And if it's a delisting, they'll have to do a reverse stock split. The nice thing about Nightscope right now they're about ready to report earnings. I don't know if it's today. I mean, I keep trying to find their earnings call. And it, the most annoying thing right now is you can't really find when their Nightscope is reporting earnings. If you look at their history, they believe it's going to be March 30th. But March 30th was technically when they did that. It was because they they had just gone public last year. Okay. But Nightscope continues to grow. Okay. And when they release their earnings, hopefully you'll see a potential rebound and maybe CNBC will actually start covering a little bit more. What's also interesting with the Nightscope situation too is not only are they growing, but no one's still talking about it in some way, shape or form, okay? Now, granted, CNBC is not gonna cover this unless it uh, unless they blow away their quarter, but they are about ready to release their earnings. And I'm curious to see when the time comes and I maybe I advise you guys to look at it as well. Not financial advice at the end of the day. This is never financial advice in this podcast, but it is something to consider looking at, okay? Especially after they report this next earnings. Not this quarter, but the end of this quarter. So the end of March will be a big quarter for Nightscope. And why is that? Because it'll be the first time within a 90-day period that Case Emergency Systems is officially a part of Nightscope's portfolio, okay? This quarter, I believe it's like half the quarter will be in their portfolio, or maybe it's like a little bit more because the acquisition didn't get completed until I think October 22nd of last year, like uh, 22 days within last quarter. So in reality, their earnings for Nightscope this next quarter with with Case in their portfolio will only be about 
22, 22 days long. They'll be missing 22 days, actually, not 22 days long. They'll be missing 22 days from the quarter because they had to complete the acquisition. But the end of this quarter, end of March, March 31st, is when it'll be the first time that Nightscope will actually have Case in their portfolio going forward and every single earnings call going forward. And if Nightscope keeps telling us that Case is profitable, that means there's a chance Nightscope's going to be considered profitable going forward. And we're going to pay attention to that when it happens because that could be big news, which could potentially send Nightscope soaring and maybe CNBC. You might see them talking about it a little bit more potentially. Like I said, this isn't financial advice at the end of the day, and I legally cannot give it to you. Just my opinion, okay? And this is some observations we've made on this podcast. Continuing on, this is kind of big news. DraftKings stock surges after sports betting company boost outlook, okay? From CNBC, shares of DraftKings surged Friday morning after all sports betting company reported stronger than expected revenue and raised its outlook for 2023. The bump in stock comes at the heels of DraftKings being the most downloaded sports app in the U.S. on Super Bowl Sunday. According to the company, states where sports betting is newly legal are boosting sales too. For its fiscal fourth quarter, DraftKings says revenue of $855 million is an increase of 81% compared to the $473 million it took in during the same period of 2021. It reported a loss of $0.53 cents per share on revenue of $855 million. Analysis polled by Refinitiv had anticipated a loss of $0.59 cents per share on revenue of $800 million. The company attributed the results to continuing customer retention, acquisitions, and engagement in existing states, as well as successful launching of its sports books and iGaming products in additional jurisdictions. Quote, I'm very pleased with how we concluded 2022 with a continued top line growth and a strong focus on expenses management. DraftKings CEO Jason Robbins said in a release, DraftKings is, is raising its fiscal year 2023 revenue guidance to a range of $2.85 billion to $3.05 billion, while a range it has announced in November, $2.8 billion to $3 billion. The company said it updated guidance equates to year-over-year growth, 27% to 36%. DraftKings recently launched it in Maryland, Kansas, and Ohio. Okay, This is where DraftKings becomes interesting. If you actually listen right before the Super Bowl, okay, if you actually heard, I, I, I can't remember the exact number, I don't remember if I heard 10 billion or was 10 million. I can't remember. I, I'm assuming it was billion, but I swear. I think I heard there was like $10 billion was in betting on DraftKings that night since gambling is becoming more and more legal. I don't know if it was on DraftKings itself, but there was a lot of gambling happening that night on the Super Bowl, okay? Let's look at some sporting events that are going to be happening soon within the next few weeks that are going to be huge for DraftKings, okay? Today's, today is the 17th of February. In a few weeks, March Madness is going to be starting up, okay? March Madness. Do not be surprised if DraftKings makes a ton of money off of March Madness, okay? That is a huge, huge betting day in the making. Then what's after DraftKings? NBA playoffs. What's after NBA playoffs? Uh, well, it's baseball season. It's pretty dead at that point for a while until the World Series kicks in, which would be in October or, yeah, about October. And from there... It's just DraftKings potentially is going to be growing a lot. It probably will be. And one of the reasons being is that people want to gamble. And it's becoming more and more legal in each state. And as that happens, DraftKings value could potentially increase. Okay, What I could potentially see too, okay, especially with DraftKings in particular, you could potentially see other sports causing their revenue growth on things that you don't even think about. Okay. Let's put it this way. How much longer until DraftKings starts making money based off the Olympics? Or how much longer until DraftKings starts making money off of, I don't know, the College World Series for baseball? Or 
Let's see, college football. College football would probably be a big one for DraftKings in the making or any gambling company in general. But the world is going towards more of a gambling side of things in sports. And if that's the case, DraftKings could see a lot of potential. Now, granted, in down years, that might be another another story. But it seems like sports betting is going to be the next big thing. Could be, okay? Because it's slowly becoming legal in some states. And we'll keep paying attention as much as we can. But I think March Madness will be a big, big month for DraftKings. That's the one I'm going to be most interested in, especially if I do get a chance to read the reports. Not saying I actually will. But it will be interesting to see how DraftKings does come March. And I kind of hope that when they report their earnings next quarter, that if they do talk about March Madness, they'll give us an idea of what or how the app was doing during March Madness, okay? Continuing on to more serious news going forward, though, okay? says here, Ford warned of the F-150 Lightning owners about separate EV battery issues before this month's fire, okay? says here from CNBC, Detroit, a detective battery that caused a Ford F-150 Lightning in the company's possession to catch fire earlier this month isn't the only problem the Detroit automaker has recently experienced with its new all-electric pickup truck. On January 27th, a week before the fire, the company issued a customer service action for a small group of vehicles to have parts replaced to prevent performance degradation of the high-volatile battery. Ford Motor said the problem only affected about 100 vehicles so far and is not believed to be connected to February 4th fire. Ford said it is monitoring the vehicles remotely and proactively contacting customers when the company spots the problem. Despite the small number of vehicles impacted, it adds to a pattern of problems Ford and other automakers are having as they invest billions in rushing electric vehicles to market. Many of the industry's issues have been minor, but when they involve the costly and complex batteries of the vehicles, financial problems are serious safety concerns, specifically fires, can arise. For Ford, the F-150 Lightning problems are part of ongoing quality and operation issues. As outlined by CEO Jim Farley to investors day before the fire occurred in the F correction in a Ford holding yard. Quote, we have been deeply entrenched issues in our industry systems, correction, industrial systems that have proven tough to root out. He said on February 2nd during the fourth quarter earnings call. Handily, the strength of our products and revenue are masked by uh, masked this dysfunctionally for a long time. This is not an excuse, but is our reality. And we're dealing with it urgently. Ford with executives have said said was the most recalled automaker for the past two years. It's not alone in having problems with the newest EV launches. Toyota Motor last year had to recall its first mass-productive global EV because of a risk of wheels could come loose. General Motors two years ago recalled all of its Chevrolet Bolts EV models due to fire issues. Others such as Hyundai, BMW, and Volvo have all recalled electric vehicles, including plug-in hybrids, due to their fire risk in recent years. Oh boy. The electric charge going forward. So we're probably going to see more fires, not really fires in general, but we probably will see a lot more recalls in the electric automakers going forward. And the reason being is there is a deadline coming up for certain states. We know California, New York in particular, are making it so that you have to have an electric vehicle or you can't sell gas vehicles within the state of California. I think by 2030, if I remember correctly, so in about seven years. But if these companies are being pushed too much, there's going to be a high probability of a lot of recalls happening. And with that being said as well, it also makes me wonder if uh, there's going to have to be new rules and regulations put into place. Oh, good. More rules and regulations in the making. If they're not already in place, actually. 
So we could potentially see these car companies, and they probably will be talked about from CNBC at some point going forward, where they'll actually mention on their channels being like, oh, we don't know about going forward what's going to happen with the Ford cars if they're on fire or anything like that, right? There probably will be some rules and regulations kicking in soon about what needs to be done, which means the automakers are going to probably have a huge supply and demand issue in the making in the next few years if they can't meet the quotas. But at the same time, these were laws that were passed, especially California and New York, that will not allow any gas vehicles to be sold within the state soon. So keep an eye out for the electric vehicle makers. They're starting to either feel it or we might feel it down the road when it comes to what happens with the recalls and the making. Continuing on now, the most important thing, to, ironically, has to do with gas. It says here, gas, airfares, and car insurance, how transportation costs are impacting high inflation. From CNBC, new government data for January shows high inflation has continued this new year. That has some economists worried high prices may prove to be stickier, even as the Federal Reserve works to slow inflation by raising interest rates. Yet as some prices climbed, others subside, according to the January Consumer Price Index data released by the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics on Tuesday. The CPI measured changes in the consumer prices by measuring a basket of goods and services over time. Transportation costs were one area where prices were in flux. Notably, a jump in gasoline prices was one of the contributors to an overall 0.5% increase in the CPI for the month. Gasoline rose 2.4% in January, while it fell 7% in the previous months. Yet, looking back on the past 12 months, gasoline at a 1.5% did not make the list the list of top costs. The benchmark inflation for all items came in at 6.4%. Meanwhile, fuel oil dipped 1.2% in January, but was up 27.7% for the past 12 months. Probably one reason why oil dipped is because at least China's not being involved as much. And we'll get into that in a second. Okay. It says, continuing on, it says, while gas prices made headlines in 2022, prompting gas tax holidays in some states, those prices have subsided from the last year's highs. The national average for a gallon of gas is $3.42, and AA reported on Thursday, up a penny from the previous week. The highest record average price was $5.02 as of June. Gas prices did rise in January and was mostly due to the weather. And Andrew Gross, spokesperson at AAA, winter storms affected re refineries from the Gulf Coast and in California. Separately, a weather-unrelated fire at the Colorado refinery is also causing problems. Okay. Oh, boy. So this is where things get interesting. This is how we'll end this article before we get into about China and the gas issues. Okay. It's, it's saying here, eggs have gone up by 70% this year. Butter and margin have gone up by 32.5%. Fuel oil is up 27.7%. Utility gas services is up 26.7%. Airfare is up 25.6%. That's true. I was looking into getting tickets to fly out to Las Vegas because I have a tournament I have to go to. And I've noticed that the ticket prices have gone up like crazy when it comes to flying right now. Okay. It says here, motor vehicle repairs are up 23.1%. Frozen vegetables are up 18.6%. Lettuce is up 17.2%. Public transportation is 17.1%. Cereal is 15.6%. Pet food is 15.1%. Motor vehicle insurance is 14.7%. And electricity is 11.9%. Okay. Uh, food is pretty, pretty stable, it looks like. It has gone up at least by 10%, if not by 11% in some areas. And actually, there are some areas where the prices have gone done, gone down, actually. Look at this. It says here, uncooked beef steaks is down 3%, minus 3%, actually. Bacon and related products is down minus 3.9%. 
Major appliances are down negative 3.9%. Woman dresses are down 4.2%. Computers are down 6.2%. Used trucks and cars are down 11.6%. And televisions are down 13.2%. You know what this tells me right here? Tells me that potentially like any computer companies might be affected soon by this. We'll have to pay attention to this going forward, but it is something of interest, okay? Pay attention to inflation numbers to give you an idea of where the economy is potentially going. But speaking of where the economy is going, it will be affected by China in some way, shape, or form. But I don't think CNBC understands how China is going to change things fully. And I'll get into that in a second, right? This article, okay? It says here from CNBC, China's rebound is the biggest unknown facing oil markets, IEA chief says. Okay. The International Energy Agency executive director said Friday, the biggest uncertainty facing the global energy markets is the extent to which China rebounds from its extended closure. Currently, oil markets are balanced, told C- he told CNBC Hadley Gamble at the Munich Securities Conference, but producers are waiting signals on forthcoming demand from the world's second largest economy and largest crude oil importer. Quote, for me, the biggest answer to the energy markets is the next months to come in from China. Ryle said, noting a major drop-off in the country's oil and gas demand during the pandemic lockdowns. In the latest monthly oil market report published Wednesday, the Energy Agency said it anticipates global oil demand will pick up in 2023, with China accounting for a substantial portion of the projected increases. Oil delivers are expected to raise to rise by 1.1 million barrels a day to hit 7.2 million barrels a day over the course of 2023, with the total demand reaching a record 101.9 million barrels a day, the IEA noted. Quote, China's economy is rebounding now. Brittle noted, how strong this advantage will be will decide the oil and gas market's dynamics. He added, this is a very strong rebound. There may be a need that oil producers will increase their production. The IEA chief said that OPEC plus countries, as well as other major oil producing nations, such as the US, Brazil, and Ghana, were poised to ramp up output to meet the demand should it be needed. I did not know the United States was a top producer. That's funny. Continuing on, it says, acts whether President Joe Biden's Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA, with its package of funding amid its incentivizing clean energies could uh, increase in the U.S., Briaro said that it was unlikely. I think it's beyond the government's policies. There is huge money to be made, he said, citing record profits posted by global oil and gas companies in the past year. Okay. I'm going to end on this right now. Okay. I am a firm believer that China will have a huge demand for oil, but I don't think they're going to care at the end of the day where they get the oil from. Okay. And if anything, all it's going to do is potentially fuel Russia's economy. And all honestly, okay, think about this. Okay. We've talked about this in past podcasts. I would highly advise listening to some of those past, past podcasts from 2022 about what was happening in the oil markets with Russia, China, India, and all that stuff. Okay. Russia is probably going to end up selling a lot of its oil to China. I think if I'm not mistaken, last we had reported on this podcast it was like $25 to $30 a barrel getting Russian oil versus getting other oil across the world. If that's the case, I mean, China just might just say, we'll just buy our oil from Russia. I mean, I don't think, at least as of right now, the recording of this podcast, to my knowledge, I don't think China has put a price cap on Russian oil, whereas Europe has, okay? Which means China is going to potentially be funding Russia's war with Ukraine that they pretty much started. And that also means you can potentially, at least here in the United States, we could potentially see another package deal coming for the Ukrainians in the making. Okay. 
And if that's the case, oil markets might be affected. It might not be affected at the end of the day either, because if China just buys all its oil from Russia, then oil output would probably stay the same across the globe. What worries me, though, is this. I don't remember if we've talked about this in past podcasts, but if China has a refinery, who's to say that the Russian oil doesn't get refined in China and then China just ships it out to the world? Think about that for a second. I mean, we've talked about that and for sure in the past podcast about how there was Russian oil at one point going to this refinery in Italy, and then it was considered Italian oil, and it wasn't considered Russian oil anymore, at least at the beginning of last year in 2022. I think that we talked about it here on this podcast. But at the end of the day, I don't think things are going to change in the oil markets. If they do, it's because China has a much bigger demand than we realize. I personally believe China's just going to buy all their oil from Russia. It's cheaper. Okay. And not only that, but they would be able to get as much as they want from Russia, which means then Russia will just continue drilling as much as they want at that point because China's willing to buy it if China has a huge demand, which makes me wonder what's going to happen to the Russian economy going forward. Now, will oil markets be affected if there's too much in the supply? Probably. But I also believe too that, like I said, and, I, and I'll keep saying this until I'm pretty much beating a dead horse at this point, but I just see China just buying a lot of their oil from Russia. I do also see them buying it from OPEC too as well. And maybe we'll get an idea if OPEC decides to raise oil production as well, if there is a huge demand from China. But that would be like the most extreme cases if you think about it, right? Maybe that's what that that's what we need to pay attention to. If OPEC starts increasing production numbers, then that'll give us an idea of China potentially needing more oil. That's what we're going to use. That's what we'll use on this podcast. We'll use that as our engagement. And then obviously, whatever reports come out, we'll look into that as well to be able to figure it out. But at the end of the day, I don't see oil markets being fully affected that much because I just see Russia just selling all its oil and gas to China because China will just do that. That's what they'll do. And I'm surprised that this guy is not even mentioning that in this article at all about China buying from Russia. And the only thing they say here is, is the IEA had said of the global emergency crisis prompted by Russia's invasion of Ukraine was supercharging the transition to clean energies. Yeah, that's the only thing they mention about Russia in this article. So we'll keep paying attention as much as possible, but I don't think oil markets are going to change that much at the end of the day. So I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this podcast so we'll be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street or that Wall Street isn't or willing may or have the time to talk about. Please also continue sharing this podcast with friends or families as it helps grow this channel so we'll be able to keep talking about events that are happening. And we also thank our fellow listeners who have been loyal followers of this podcast. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.